Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia DeSantis, and this is episode 67. Um, I'm super excited to have you guys here today, and I'm really excited to share my guest with you. Her name is Emily, and we are going to be talking about um, our personal narratives. This is something that I've talked a little bit about on this podcast before, but we're really diving deep this time. And I think we're going to get a little bit sciencey, which I love. Um, that's kind of like my, you know, happy place. So. Um, first, I want Emily to talk about herself and let everyone know um, what you're what you're all about. Emily, welcome. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Sophia. I appreciate it. So, I am a um, personally. I live in Colorado. I'm a mom, a uh, woman, um, and uh, have overcome some of my own health challenges and ever changing things. Um, and I have my own private practice of health, co- health and wellness coaching here in Colorado. I work nationally, um, helping people um, make healthy habits simply in their lives in a time where it can be overwhelming to prevent or um, reduce chronic illness um, or anything really sleep, stress, um, healthy eating choices, healthy weight loss. Um, that's what I specialize in and I'm board certified nationally board certified coach. And I have my master's in health and wellness coaching, which is very science heavy. And I'm a uh, certified yoga instructor as well. Awesome. I love that. I love the science heavy. Cause I think it's interesting. Cause I, um, my background is I have a master's in education. So I'm oh, um, okay. was an educator for that's what I I literally went straight from college to teaching um, special education back in the day when they needed, they needed teachers with emergency credentials. And so I was getting my teaching credential at the same time as I was teaching. And um, it was a crazy time. Um, But then I, you know, finished my, I have two credentials and my master's. And I realized that all of this is very connected to my experience in teaching children. And through my master's degree in education, it's really just learning about um, cause I focus on special education. It's, it's okay. really focusing about, you know, teaching people with the way that works best for them. And yes. I think health, the health journey, health and wellness is very similar because there is no one size fits all approach, you know, and people, especially today and everything online, part of our problem is there's so many promises out there with do this and it's going to help do this and it's going to help. And ultimately I see that it's creating more stress than it is help. And mm-hmm. people are just, you know, sitting there, like not understanding why they're a emotional mess and why their health isn't doing well. And I'm like, well, it's all connected. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, we're all connected with lots of uniqueness and connection, but also we are own, our own onions that have many layers yes. where you start peeling it back and everything, our whole life experiences all the way, or our, ancestors have given us much different things. And, and we're learning about all the impacts of, of our diversity and, and how that makes up our, not just our health and well-being, but our, our day-to-day habits. Um, and so it is, it is not a one size fits all um, in any situation, really. Right. Totally. And I, I mean, I saw that even at the um, elementary age level, when I was teaching children, you know, 
when it comes to special education in our in our state, at least, it's a unfortunately a fail first model, which is part mm-hmm. of why I eventually moved from special education to the general classroom so I could start helping using my skills to help children before they failed. Um, but I, you know, the first thing I had to do before I actually had kids in my program learn to do much of anything is work on their um, self-confidence because mm-hmm. like you said, we're an onion and you can't, you have to start, you know, you have to start somewhere, but you need to, to strengthen some things before you can work on other things. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I see as young as elementary school, you see that onion already developing. So mm-hmm. um, well, and it's great at that age, if you can start instilling the idea of what do you have? And how do you build on that? What are your strengths? Because those are life skills and resources that totally. you can use and transfer throughout into your health or into your job or into your parenting relationships. So yeah, really yep. understanding who you are at that age. Oh my gosh, that's such a support. Yes, totally. Um, totally agree with you. The, the younger you can do it, the better. And I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to start, you know, that I do the best I can with my own children. My kids are young. They're only six, nine and 10, but it's, you know, it's, it's crazy what, you know, like you're talking about your narratives, your stories, what they can end up creating and what they, how they change, what you think of yourself. And, um, you know, just little things, it's just the little things I noticed it in my own children, you know, like there was my own son, I witnessed a situation, we were at a park once and this kid that he knew, he that he knew from like, just the neighborhood, an older child, um, my son said hello to him. And they, you know, in the neighborhood hang out all the time. Um, But this kid kind of snuffed him because he was around his friends. And Mm -hmm. I know I, I, I witnessed this. And then when we came home, you know, I sat my son down and I said, Hey, you know, I noticed that this happened. I, I want you to know that I noticed it. And I didn't think that was okay. You know, that, how did it make you feel? And he goes, Oh, that's okay. I'm okay with it. And I literally stopped and I said, no, you know, like you should not be okay with people treating you like that. You are Mm -hmm. a great human and you are a nice boy and you should not let people treat you like that without saying something, you know, that that's not, you know, you should stand up for yourself. You should feel more about yourself than to allow somebody to do that. And what's interesting is he ended up saying something to him. (laughs) Wow. Next time you saw him, he said, you know, like, I didn't like that you did that. And um, so it was interesting, but it was, you know, even at that young age to hear him say like, oh, that's okay. I was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. Um, so I have a, an eight and a six-year-old and I feel like I'm hyper aware just because of what I do yes. of the language and just observing and I'm like, they're two completely different children uh, personalities. So talk about one parenting style does not fit all. Um, Same. But yeah, yeah I, my daughter was saying I, she just she started taking dance lessons. So she loved dance. And so she right out the gate said, I don't play sports. And I said, Okay. Um, and um, well, I said, Well, maybe someday you'll be open to it. Nope, I, I do dance, I don't do sports. And then COVID happened and dance went away. And the only option was to play soccer at one point and she played it and she said, I like sports. So it's funny how you can develop that sentence in your head at eight and maybe that never changes. And next thing you know, you're 35 and someone says, Hey, let's go play, you know, want to pick up a sport. 
and then the same sentence comes out. I don't play sports. And that's yes. what happened. You know, you've been saying that for 30 years. So it's interesting to start just seeing the narratives uh, that, that begin or some or say with your example, that boy, you know, may have yeah. stubbed him for whatever reason. Obviously he was going through his own thing. It probably wasn't personal, but you know, your, your son could have created something like, Oh, people, you know, it's aren't nice or, you know, yeah. I'm or- not. I'm yeah. not fun if that boy doesn't like me. Something, who knows? Yes. That could have been one statement that, you know, randomly stuck with him or something. So, yeah. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> it's those little things for sure. And you I mean, even as adults, I mean, I know I work on them all the time. I have definitely narratives that go in my head that I, I work on constantly from, oh, yeah. I don't even know where they came from. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's the human. That's the human piece we get to, to look at as, as part of being human is, is having a story or some kind of sentence to attach with everything, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. It can, it can change, it can pave, you know, the future of, you know, decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's challenging too, when, like you said, um, with having different, you know, personalities. And I, I definitely think our own narratives are, de- are in line with our personalities, you know, and I have three kids and yeah, definitely have difference in personalities. You know, my middle is more quiet, um, more shy. Um, and t- but the interesting thing is that with him, he is more, he might be quiet and shy, but he would not stand for somebody snubbing him. Like he probably would have said something like, I said, mm-hmm. hi, you know, like, <laughs> whereas yeah. you know, my, my mm-hmm. oldest, who is very outgoing, definitely like, doesn't like, you know, he didn't stand up. So it's just, it's interesting. Cause it, I think too, us looking at our children and assuming something based on some of their personality that they wouldn't do something. That's also writing a narrative for them. You know, like we have our own narratives about other people and our children. Yeah. And I, I noticed, you know, my daughter, is has her own narratives about her sister, you know? Yeah. So we, we create and attach, um, and their biases, honestly. And I think it's an important time globally, as we're starting to look at our biases of our, you know, racism or diversity or gender, all these things. First, we also need to look at our biases that we just have about ourselves or our Mm -hmm. family and just starting to peel those back and be open to, is that even true? Um, or is that attached to an identity that could use some shifting or an image that I have created a yes. long time ago? So yeah, they're really yeah. biases if you want to um, use that term as well too. No, for sure. And that is, I think biases right now is kind of a big topic with like, you know, you know, racism, you know, gender, like all those things. And I see, you see this for sure. I, and I think biases have a lot um, generational, you know, like it's mm-hmm. a lot of it comes from home and what the children hear at home and, and they bring that into their own, you know, assumptions and whatever. And it's about breaking that cycle. And with all the talk about racism and race, I mean, and um, sexual identity and all these kinds of things, like, you know, people talk about, you know, how are we going to change? And ultimately I think the change starts with how we, speak about things and the home and things like that. So that's, that's the challenging part, I believe, with that whole entire sector. 
yeah. of issues. For sure. Conversations at home, awareness, what comes out of our mouths um, and how we associate things. And yes, yeah. for sure. I think at home is, is a great place to start. Well, and speaking of, you know, our nearness for our health, if we're going to kind of go back into that and being a woman and being the only woman in my family, I have three boys. So mm-hmm. I, it's interesting because we, you know, people have said to me things like, oh, you're so lucky you have boys. You don't have to worry about X, Y, Z, like we do with girls. You're so lucky you have boys. You don't have to stress about them going through like weight issues and whatever. And, and my answer actually is always like that. This is, this not true. And I have to worry about it in a very different way. And Hmm. for me being the only woman, I need to watch about how I talk about myself, how I talk about, you know, health, wellness, weight, food, eating, all those things, not only because boys also go through that, definitely not to the extent as girls, but my big thing is being that good example so that my sons one day can have the right narrative to support their wives if they, if they get married to a woman, their children, if they have girls and Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. friends that are women in their life. So it's, it's, you know, it's different, but it's, it's the same in the sense that I still have to pave that road as a good example. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And it, it shows them that you're confident and have self-esteem and human. Maybe you're having yes. a bad day with your health yes. or something too. So what comes out of your mouth might not be a reality, but um, a, a temporary statement that they can say, you know, are you okay? Or that's not true, you know? So recognizing when maybe you're needing some support or not that, you know, obviously your kids support uh, need to be that too, but yeah, just recognizing how to interact with in their future relationships for sure. Yes. Yeah. With two, two daughters. Yes. I have that concern um, for sure. And um, there's eating disorder on their father's uh, side with his uh, family. So it's, it's something that I'm very aware of. Um, and I just think, yeah, it's societal, but um, yeah, so just awareness is really important of what are you saying? And I try, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have good genes and health is a priority for me. So that naturally makes my body a, a certain way in, in size. I'm just a, a petite person anyway, but yeah, um, I, I think every day, you know, often we, you know, especially after COVID, my pant size went up a couple or you're feeling bloated during PMS. It's like, what's coming out of your mouth? Oh, I'm so fat. Or I feel so fat or, you know, this yeah. dress doesn't fit well. Um, so I was trying on some clothes the other day and I, and the girls, you know, they're like, let's have a fashion show. And, and I just said, Oh, this one doesn't feel right. This one doesn't make me happy. I don't feel um, confident in this one instead of like, Oh, it's, you know, look at my stomach in this one. It's yes. huge. So trying to not be totally perfect, but just aware of, we all deserve to feel well and we're not going to look good in everything, but also it's, it's not a, a huge critique all the time on our, on ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And it's not the front and center, you know, type of, um, but it's true. So speaking a little bit, like kind of jumping a little bit into um, uh, the meaty part of our subject today. So like you talked about that, we have these narratives that we've grown up with. And one of the narratives I shared in a previous episode is I'm Greek. And I actually also am very petite um, by, mm-hmm jeans, you know, I'm a little around five feet tall, and I average about 100 pounds, um, mm-hmm. other than when I was mm-hmm. pregnant, um, obviously, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, 
kind of waver, but my average is about a hundred pounds. So I am a petite person. However, growing up Greek, I, you know, the Greek culture, they, um, a lot of the talk is about how you look some, like when you see people, Oh, you look great. Have I lost weight? Um, it's just been, was part of my upbringing. And, um, part of the thing that I grew up with in the narrative, I told myself because of what I was told, um, is my sister was always, my sister is much taller than me. She's like five, six, five, seven. And she was always the one with the long legs and was, you know, the thin one growing up. And I was always the one that was short and they always said I had the Greek butt. And so mm. to this day, um, I do not like my butt and thighs. Like I'm a petite person. So I'm, you know, it's definitely not warranted, but that is the narrative I told myself. And when I work out, I love lower body exercises when I, it's just like things like that. So changing our story, how is it, what does it mean to change that narrative, to change that story that you were raised? What are, you know, what does that even mean for people? So, yeah. So as we were saying before, stories can be a sentence. It can be a whole story. It can be um, this identity um, that we attach to. And so, for example, you, uh, you let's say I have a large butt. Um, which, you know, probably to your size could be attractive to a lot of men or, or may not even be big. Right. Um, so, but right. so you have that, um, story. So to be able to really change it is to have that awareness to really just stop and say, I'm going to look at what's coming into my head. So you might be, so you have some awareness that you're noticing all of your exercises are focused on that toning the butt. So there's some awareness right there. Like, why am I focusing so much on that? And then the story might pop up. Well, because I have a big butt or something like that, or I've been told I have this, um, you know, or my goal is to not have, uh, you know, something like that. So having that awareness of where your behavior is coming from and whenever you're doing it, you know, what pops up into your head. And so awareness can just be stopping and noticing and um, meditation and mindfulness activities um, are drivers or practices that can help build awareness if necessary, but really just stopping and listening to what is popping into your head and what's coming out of our mouths. So we have these stories and it, the science part is the, the grooves, the pathways in our brain have been created since birth and some of them just get like a record and a, a group and a record get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where it's just part of our unconscious or subconscious so we're not even really listening it's just built into every behavior that we do the type of pants you buy the type of workouts you're doing you know how you look in the mirror um, those types of things and so it's really, how do we then just pick the needle up out of the record player and out of that groove? Well, it just takes some, oh, not just, but it takes some awareness. And then once you have that awareness, it is totally possible to change the narrative. Um, neuroplasticity and all the science is coming out to say that our brain is soft and flexible and like Play-Doh and the word hardwired um, is really kind of going away uh, because it is just not true anymore. We have the ability to change uh, our narratives or put more energy into some behaviors that we thought we could never do before. Or like your son, maybe one has a personality type that's more outgoing, but doesn't mean he can't have courage to stand up for himself. So 
Um, so awareness is great. And then really asking that question of where did this come from? And to your point, the answer could be, I have no idea. It could have been one instance at a mean girl interaction in seventh grade that I don't, you know, I can't remember who said it, but it stung. And now it hurts every time I walk into a crowded room of women. Um, so you can ask a question where to come from. You may be able to pinpoint it. You might not be, it might be generational. It's been told to your family generation, generation, generation. And then you have to ask the question, is this true? Um, or what could other possibilities be? Um, for example, I'm sure your husband or um, your partner may find your body attractive uh, and your, your, your butt is an asset for lack of better terms. Um, or it's not big, you know, compared to relatively speaking. Um, so is it true? And then what would you like to say? What's a new story you could tell yourself? Um, and there, that's where positive affirmations could come in. Um, like I have a healthy body. Um, I, uh, and it sound, can sound cheesy at first, or um, I love my body. I accept my body um, where my butt is sexy. Um, I have a toned butt or, or even if you want to get away from the butt altogether and just focus on what you feel like is a strength, going back to what we were talking about, I'm really strong foundation in my trunk. I have a really strong um, upper body. So instead of just focusing on the negative, like, okay, well, if that's not an asset to you, what is? And just stating that. So that's a lot to say, but, um, you know, first drawing awareness, asking if it's true. And then if, what would the story, what's the reality? What would you like the truth to be? And it can take some time. It doesn't happen overnight. I, I do some daily practices of, of that. So if you're working on something, write out, write it out, put it on a sticky note, put it next to your journal or right before bed. And then when you're starting to notice that story or narrative that's popping up that isn't true anymore or could have some flexibility in it, then that's when you start to just insert the new one. Um, and then eventually it will be replaced. And that's where science comes in and says, you've created a new group, a new connection. I love that. Um, those are some great, like solid steps. That was awesome. Um, I'd love to, because I'm, I'm, I, I'm such a science nerd. I was, a I was actually pre-med when I was in college. Oh, okay. um, I wanted to be a pediatrician and then that's kind of how, um, and then I realized I didn't want to go to, I, I wanted other things in life other than my job. And so um, I started, that's how I got into actually um, special education because I started um, neurobiology, physiology, and behavior were one of my favorite classes. And that's what led me to education and the way the mind works and the brain works with all the different disabilities that kids can have and learning issues and things like that. So um, I'm kind of a science nerd and I love the idea of neuroplasticity. And you talked a little bit about how that tells us our brain is soft and flexible for people that have like, you know, no science knowledge. Can we talk a little bit about what that means? And um, when you talk about the pathways and all that stuff, um, how that, how that changes, like, how do you actually change your brain? Well, and this is, you know, you, you sh a neuroscientist would probably be much better to talk about all the details of it. But 
Um, it is just that. So your brain has millions, um, if not more connections. So each thought, uh, if you remember the movie in um, Inside Out, um, it's a great visual. Yes, for we love too. that movie. Yes, yes, that's a good one. So you have all those pathways and she actually shows how her lens changed when she got sad. It yes. can go the other way too. It, it reflected back on all of her memories that had this sad lens to it. Um, so it can change the other way too. If you're like saying like you're going through a difficult time, your lens can then change some things, but you can all eat, but then you can change them back. So, so with all those pathways going on each time you have a thought that's repetitive, you're going to create that pathway. Just like when you're a baby, you're learning how to eat or walk, you're creating a pathway from your brain. Okay. Each time I move my foot and put weight down, this is how I walk. So you're creating not just thought patterns, but you're also creating patterns in your body to make things function and work. And so this, if you really want to get deep down into it, you can even create thought patterns to digest of, you know, it can connect to, oh, um, you know, this makes my stomach hurt. Or one time you had an adverse reaction to something and you say that every time you see the food, your stomach will hurt. Um, and not to say that there isn't some kind of other, other physiological symptom there, but you can create somatic responses too, by some of your, your thought patterns. So that's getting, I don't want to get too deep into it. So those, yeah. those pathways are in your brain are basically, um, how your command center works and connects to everything else. Just like every time you have a thought, it goes somewhere. Um, and then when you don't use it anymore, you basically uh, cut the, take plug out that cord from that thought and it's, it's not electrified anymore. There's no, there's nowhere for it to go. And so then you just plug in, the pathway to something else or a brand new cord or a new outlet exists that um, can be created daily. And with habits, um, there's so many books out there with habits. It does take repetition. You've got to plug it in and then use it. Um, just like you're not going to pick up a tennis racket tomorrow and be a tennis player, it's going to take practice, or you're not going to decide tomorrow to be, I'm going to be a plant, I'm going to eat all plant based, it, it takes practice and learning and trial and error to get that pathway into a groove. Um, so I hope that might explain it a little bit more without getting too heady about yes, it. yes, totally. Um, absolutely. It that was great. And that's like, like, we're, you know, we were talking about that, you know, you weaken those pathways, the less you use them, just like, you know, when you break your leg and you're in a cast, you have to re-strengthen that leg if you were in a cast for three or four months because your body isn't used to using it. Same thing with your thoughts is, you know, when you're, when you stop telling yourself, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, and you start telling yourself, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. That's, you know, that's how we strengthen, you know, those little, those little grooves. And that's the same, like when we talk about, um, when, you know, like brain damage, you know, when people mm -hmm. damage part of their brain and they can't use it, it's amazing what our body can do and the pathways that can form um, in other, in other areas in order to strengthen certain skills of that area of the brain that um, was damaged, you know, and, and it's not always the truth, you know, the, it doesn't always right. happen that way, mm -hmm. but there are, you know, 
there, it is possible to strengthen. I mean, that's why when people say, oh, it's a miracle, they learn to do this again. And ultimately, it really goes back down to science. I mean, the brain is a miracle, but it goes back to our brains can find ways around doing things. And um, the brain is so much more powerful, I think, that people realize. Yes, it's, it's hugely powerful and has so many, so much impact on everything. Um, and so that's why our thoughts can be really important. Not to say no one's like, you know, the Dalai Lama has negative thoughts. It's just like inserting right. the word and right after it. So it's like, oh, I'm having a hard day and I'll get through it. So that's resilience. Right. So your brain is, is really has the ability to build up resilience with practice. Um, and it's, it's also like not everything is, everything is temporary. So, but not everything is a, a death or a life sentence. Like, oh, you, you hurt your back. Yes, that, that could be indefinite or it could be right now my back hurts and I have these tools and therapies you know, to use, or I can go on a walk instead, or, you know, is a diagnosis forever, or is a migraines forever, or is it, you know, so if you continue to tell yourself, I have a, I have this, or you could always end it with right now, I'm, or I'm going through cancer treatment, not to say or disregard that some diagnosis is diagnoses are terminal or long-term or whatever, but um, studies show now that how we perceive them um, without sometimes even scientific explanation, how we perceive and relate to different things in our story can help us heal um, and create new pathways that were not even there or that we may have thought possible before. So our science is now showing that our stories and narratives have deep, deep impact, um, both on causing sometimes um, some disease in our body, but also in healing it as well. Uh, totally agree with that. And that was actually um, one of the things I, I remember one of the classes I was in college that it still sticks to me today is studies that were done between, you know, people that were sick that had, um, for example, like something to take care of, and how much more they they healed because of the, the positive impact of like, you know, instead of sitting there, like being sick and that's it, they had positive things to focus on. Um, and I personally have, you know, a friend who had pretty, um, pretty crazy. Um, I, this is, I actually have two friends, pretty crazy. One of them, pretty crazy breast cancer. And she got through the breast cancer that, you know, has, I know other women that have actually passed from the same kind. Um, with like, like it, with nothing, like she was, her doctor was just like floored, but her, she was positive and kept active and kept telling herself she was getting through it every single day. It was insane. Like I, it's amazing to see what, you know, her thought process and how she was able to battle this. Um, and then I actually have a neighbor who has brain cancer and her doctors told her she would probably live about five to eight years. And we celebrated two years ago, her eight year, her eight year anniversary with brain cancer. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not something that like, is it's not like a glioblastoma that's like super aggressive and crazy. I mean, she, it is brain cancer. She does still have it. Um, it's something that she's living with and, you know, she gets scans all the time and watches and she's had to go through, you know, like a couple of years ago, she had to go through another round of chemo and whatever, but 
she, it's amazing. She actually was on my podcast. I have an episode with her um, on my podcast. It's amazing how positive and how she lives her life now. It's her life is like, I get to do this trip with my kids. I get to, you know, and even through COVID because of her situation, her kids were not allowed to do anything because they couldn't expose her. So her kids mm-hmm. could not go to school. They could not play sports. They couldn't do anything. And the positivity, I mean, it, I mean, I, I, I wish I could say I was as positive, even not having cancer and having my kids home, Yeah. But the positivity and the way she approaches life is I 100% believe that has to do with the fact that she has outlived what her doctors told her she would. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's, and that's proven. And it's also to say, I'm sure she has some negative thoughts and bad days. Oh, totally. And it sounds like she's built up some tools though, to cope with them that just promote or prioritize the positive mindset. And that also is what, ex- you know, traumatic or big experiences deliver is perspective. And so that is when it has come in her favor. And so if you can't get there, um, you know, can you surround yourself with people who are positive or inspirational or listen to podcasts or work with a coach who is able to feed those positive messages or mindsets or like, what are your strengths? Can you focus on? So because it, it does take a lot of work and difficult times to conjure that up. I don't know if you remember that movie from a long time ago I, um, with Jennifer Aniston, I think it was called Cake where her um, husband or, or her son was killed in a, a car act, a drunk driving accident. And she was traumatically injured in a chronic pain and then became addicted to pain. So it was very, very depressing, sad story. But, um, and I, I don't think it's a huge spoiler, but at the end, her physical therapist finally said to her, you can live your life miserably, or you can start living with your circumstances. And it was like, a, you know, it took her obviously her own time to grieve and to get there. But then um, she had the tools and the people around her too. And that's what that whole movie was about was to you know, trauma oh, no. is trauma. And then and you know, and then um, and now what are you going to do with it? Are you going to dwell in it? And then her pain started getting better, because her approach was different. So it is positive, it is possible in extreme cir- circumstances to, to get there. And, but it, it is scientifically um, helpful. So yeah, and that's amazing that the science is actually showing that now, because ultimately, um, I think that I think we're getting getting more t- closer towards um, understanding health and wellness. I and I, I call it Eastern and Western medicine, just because, you know, mm-hmm. it's more like the mind and the body, along with the actual, you know, medical and, and things But it people, some people think that the woo woo part of the mind is it's not science based. And mm-hmm. it actually really is. I mean, mm-hmm. the power of the mind is science based. And, and it's true, because I mean, I personally myself, like I've been through, I, I went through early menopause, like I'm turning mm-hmm. 44 next month, and I hit menopause in I mean, I'm done with it. So, wow. <laughs> um, it, and going through that was, you know, there was definitely moments that it was, I mean, I, like I, anxiety was one of my biggest issues that I battled personally with the change. And I mean, I got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks like all day, every day. And I finally went to my doctor. And I said, I need help. Like, this is crazy. I can't do this anymore. And I did go on medication short-term, but I knew that it wasn't something I wanted long-term. 
Um, and mostly because after a month I had side effects that just were actually causing more stress. So it wasn't worth it. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to turn towards, um, uh, you know, meditation, yoga, things to like, uh, forced myself to change and deal with things um, differently. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, not on medication now. And it, I definitely have ups and downs. I think like most people, especially this y- last year has been really challenging, oh, yeah. especially with people with anxiety, depression, things like that. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that mind work helped so much, you know, oh, yes. in, mm-hmm. and it's definitely science-based. I mean, you can train your mind to think things and you can also train your mind to think negatively. It really goes both exactly. ways. Well, and it is, or, you know, if you come from a situation where you have some in a relationship where, you know, someone is gaslighting you all the time or telling you how bad you are at the time, you know, all the time, that's that inner critic, um, whether it's created by your voice or other voices, you know, that's pretty strong and prevalent in a lot of us. Um, and so, that's also when we start to ask that question, is it true? Or is this even my voice? Um, mm-hmm. You know, is really important. Um, yeah. And, and I think that the, the tools that we have um, are so important and then they can be a variety of them. So is medication or is meditation and I'm a yoga instructor. So very deep in the, the woo woo or the, the Eastern studies. And for me, science does not come naturally actually. Um, and I can just believe things. Um, if you told me, if you train your mind and meditate, it's going to make you feel better. I just believe you, but the science now the evidence backs it up and not only gets, does it give credibility, but it helps us really understand um, yes. for things better. So I love the blend of it and it's, it's so validating and it just opens it up um, because there are stories out there. I don't meditate because I don't believe in that or meditation is for, you know, this, but, and that's a story. Well, no meditation just helps. That's a new story that we can we can tell ourselves well, too. That was me. I mean, that was me. Yeah. I believe it was like I'm a scientist. My dad's a scientist. My mom's a scientist. Like I was. I'm a science girl. Like you show me the science. Like that is, you know, even through this last year of everything happening. Like I, I, I like did not listen to the media. I didn't listen to any of it. Like I'm like show me the science. Like that's who I am. And I used to believe meditation was for hippies. I'm like I'm not a hippie. I don't do that kind of stuff. A hundred percent. I never. Yoga was not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. ask me five years ago, if I would, you know, need yoga, it like crave it, I would laugh at you. Like it just, Mm -hmm. I was a runner. I played soccer. I did boot camps. Like I needed to be gnarly aggressive to be able to get in shape and tone and all that stuff. And a, a life event, you know, the menopause situation, like forced me to step outside my box and think about other things and look into other things. And you know, it, it showed me how wrong it was that like, I mean, I meditation was a huge part of my, um, of, of my, um, my journey when I was trying Mm -hmm. to battle all this. And, and I even like, I started like now, even now, like I'm definitely, I used to do yoga like six days a week when I was first dealing with it. Cause it's the only thing that I needed it a ton. Like I just really needed it. And now I'm, I'm it's I'm more balanced. Like I love to, I always love to run. So I'm running again. I, I use my, I have a Peloton bike. I do my boot camp classes sometimes, but I always do my yoga still two to three days a week. And mm-hmm. for many reasons, not only do I feel like now that I really know what yoga is and how to do it correctly, because that's the thing before I wasn't doing it correctly. 
I actually get such an amazing workout out of it. And it's not right? just a physical workout, but it's also a mental workout. It's two in mm-hmm. one. Yes. So, yes. And strength and all, yes. yeah, you don't, have, yeah, it's, it's, I always feel better after I do yoga. Well, um, you don't, for sure. people don't mm-hmm. and people don't realize the stretching and like, you feel like if I, I honestly never, I, I told myself in other stories that I wasn't a flexible person. I've never been flexible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of that's that, the biggest story. That's the number one story is I, I can't, I'm not flexible. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And I can almost do the splits. I can almost, I can do a handstand. I still have to do it with the wall behind me just because I'm not hundred percent there, but I can get up on a handstand. Like I've been able to do a headstand for a while, but handstand was like my ultimate goal to be able to do it without anything, but I can almost do the splits. Like it's crazy how much more flexible in my forties I am than I was growing up. Like I never, I was a soccer player. I, but stretching wasn't part of my story, you know? And now with the yoga in there and like, it's amazing what it's changed for me in such a positive way, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Well, and you went through early menopause, but so many, as we age, uh, my boyfriend, he's 45 and he um, is, is starting to realize that his, he's not as able to do as much. He's extremely into sports, very active. Um, and his, but his, his injuries have increased or, you know, and he has this yeah. identity. I am a, you know, I'm a team sport. I'm a competitive athlete. And I said, well, you know, your things are changing and you know, what, what would be different. And so it's just getting rid of that or shifting, you know, changing. It's a rubber band. Like, where can we be flexible in that story? It's like, okay, I'm an athlete who also stretches to be an athlete, or I'm an athlete who uses recovery to play sports, something like that, instead of just go, 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 go. Um, so yeah, there, there's so many stories in everything we do. And and um, it's really helpful to just pause, see what there's. And you, even you could ask someone around you because they know what comes out of your mouth a lot more than you do sometimes. Like I hear you yes. saying this all the time. Um, and so that can be helpful as well. Absolutely. Well, this was so um, awesome. This was amazing. And I don't, I can't, of course, my brain is shot because I've got three kids home for summer. But did we talk about your free seven day gratitude challenge yet? Oh, not yet. Um, I have a a free seven day gratitude challenge, which is um, you go on the website. um, And basically, you get emailed every day, just a prompt to journal about something else to be grateful for. And this can help change your story, um, or, or your perspective and gratitude is again, proven to help support healing and mindsets and habit change. Um, I also now on my website have a free healthy lifestyle quiz to see where you're at, uh, because these are all determinants of, of how we feel and can change. So you can go on and, and take that to see where there could be some opportunity or also find out where your strengths are as well on uh, Emily, emilymarkey.com. Yes. And I will have everything linked um, in the post. So um, if you're listening, uh, make sure you get to my website and um, find the links and they're right there. Easy for you to, to grab. Um, but I just thank you so much for taking your time to be here and sharing all this with us. And it was awesome. Yes. Thank you, Sophia. I really appreciate it. And thanks to all the, the listeners out there. Absolutely. Thank you to my listeners always. And if you guys love this uh, podcast, love this episode, if you could drop and 
give me a rate and review. It helps me so much be able to get my podcast out there more, get a more amazing guests to share incredible information um, with all of you guys. And also make sure you tune in next time where um, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit to talk about seasonal produce because it's something that I've wanted to chat about for a while. But I just thanks to everybody for being here. And again, thanks to you, Emily. Great. Thank you.